the San Diego Padres and the Miami Marlins face off. And guess what? Who would have thought that this late into August, it would be the Marlins that are looking like they have the better chance to make the postseason. I am being joined by Mr. Peter Pratt of the Locked On Marlins podcast. That's right. It is a Locked On Padres, Locked On Marlins, super mega crossover. We've done these before. Uh, really exciting stuff. But seriously, it's like it, it, we're living in a, the twilight zone in terms of what was expected preseason. Um but before we get into all of that, talk about the trade deadline moves, talk about the wild card race, et cetera, all the vibes. Uh, Peter, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday uh, in this great planet Earth that we call home? I'm doing well. And we are, we're some distance apart, right? So, you know, who knows how this Wi-Fi will work? Who knows with all the weather patterns and tropical storms going on? Just anything could happen. But mm-hmm. I'm doing well. The Marlins are, are still alive, more than alive in, you know, the back end of August, to your point. Who would have had this series starting with the Marlins ahead of the Padres in the standings? Like, this is a weird world we live in at this point. Weird, weird world. So I'm interested to dig into what's not gone well for the Padres this year. I actually came away from the deadline just to kind of like tease it out as well. I came away from the deadline thinking, you know, I know the Marlins added and the Cubs did some stuff and other clubs were doing things. I was thinking, do you know what? I wonder if the Padres got get really hot, which they could. Mm-hmm if they could actually just be this kind of like late surge in dark horse and come and take like the mm-hmm. wildcard three spot or wildcard two. But yeah, I'm interested to understand what's been going on with you guys. I haven't seen a ton of Padres baseball uh, and equally, you know, we've had a, you know, we've had a, a trade uh, at the deadline, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. Garrett Cooper, now yeah. Padre um, and Ryan Weathers, you know, coincidentally, mm-hmm. obviously uh, playing in this series as well. So yeah, tons to get into. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's let's, let's waste no further time, man. Look, the Marlins, I mean, they're they've been at points i'm gonna say at points over the last few years ever since you started hosting especially uh regarded by many as a meme team uh i don't think that they were in like the bottom bottom tier right i don't think they were associated with the royals and the a's right i feel like those are the two and and the rockies those are like the three meme tier teams but they were like a a step above it and they made a lot of moves kim ang has been cooking and they've actually, you know, what what has kind of been the reception just so far on the season for what I think a lot of people consider like a pretty big surprising uh, performance thus far through August for the Marlins? Well, Marlins Twitter, this is how I, you know, I, I assess, you know, what's what's the pulse of the club and the fan base? Because mm-hmm. obviously I don't go to the games. I watch all yeah. the games, but I don't go. So I have mm-hmm. to just judge it on, on what I see on Twitter, which is very dangerous, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to judge. Very. <laughs> the, the pulse of the fan base on Twitter is uh, yeah, it's probably not recommended. But nevertheless, the pulse of the fan base is they don't know how to react. Like Marlins Twitter, <laughs> this was happening. They were 14 games over 500 at one point, And no one knew what to do because I think fundamentally mm-hmm. we didn't know what to do because we we didn't believe it was real. And, you know, you can insert mm-hmm. whatever, whatever gif or meme at this point about them back there are not real. But I think in many ways, like we felt that way about the Marlins where 14 games over 500 really flattered them where they played well. They won some crazy games, Mm -hmm. but they played well against, you know, the tier, the third tier, let's call it. They just played really well ball, you know, good ball against those, (laughs) against those clubs. And they won a lot of games. Now it's starting to catch up, right? Mm -hmm. Where you then have series against the Astros and the Dodgers and, you know, these clubs and all of a sudden you start to kind of come back to the pack. And so 
The reality mm-hmm. is the Marlins are a much better club than they were last year. They only won 69 games last yep. year. I think that flattered them 69 last year, to be honest with you. And, mm. <laughs> you know, e- even though they're a much better club, like Sandy's not been Sandy, Jazz has been missing. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've had to turn to other areas to, to win games. So it's been, it's been a very interesting year. And even though there's been a lot of highs, the Marlins fan base has been uncertain about how to really react in this situation, to be honest with you. But talk to me about the Padres yeah. fan base then as well. What's the pulse saying on them? Because listen... <laughs> The Padres, preseason-wise, should not have been in this situation where you're currently found. So I'm intrigued to understand where everyone's head's at. And is there an understanding of maybe what hasn't gone right this year? It's really funny because, as we mentioned at the top, Twilight Zone, Marlins are the ones that actually look like they could make the playoffs. Padres not. Marlins have a minus 40 run differential. Padres have plus 57. Yet infinitely worse than the Marlins this year in terms of their overall play. I think the pulse of the fam. Have you ever seen Armageddon? I have. <laughs> Many times. Chance. It's a movie with Bruce Willis. Yeah. That, I think that's kind of the, a little bit of the vibe going on. It feels like we're, it's just all ending uh, in a lot of ways, which is hilarious considering the talent they have on this team and considering the talent that they will still have on this team heading into next year. But it's been... It's been a combination of poor roster management, a little bit of questions about Bob Melvin. People might want him fired. A, a lot of stuff about AJ Preller, the general manager, and then just unlucky in, in some cases. Tatis has been very unlucky lately. A lot of people have been making fun of him because I don't know. Baseball fans just it's it's like the Harvey Dent quote or the Green Goblin quote. Like they love seeing a hero fall. They love making fun of this guy now. He's been getting a little bit unlucky in terms of his you know bad at ball data, not necessarily playing up to snuff. And, and he's been a little bit impatient at the plate. So you have that, you have the unluckiness, and then you have that they are like the least clutch team. And I think that that might be the difference between these two clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marlins, I have seen, and granted it might just be because I know you and I know you know our, our mutual friend, Arm Layton, who I know you ran into in the UK, um, mm-hmm. and, and some other just Marlins. Uh, I, I really enjoy Marlins Twitter. I just think it's really, really fun that... I just see like all these game winning plays, these big moments and yeah. Okay. Some of it might be a little bit more fortunate and whatnot, but for me, I'm watching this being like, must be nice to see like your best player, Luis arise for the Marlins consistently, just like at least for a lot of the year, just always getting the hits that this team needs. And then you have just a lot more clutch plays, despite what you mentioned before, no Sandy uh, playing well, at least. And then jazz has been absent for most of the year. That's kind of the vibe of the Padres right now. They're looking at all these teams in baseball that, in theory, they should at least be better than. I don't think it's crazy for people have to have been like, all right, can we have like a top 15 offense? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think that that's that crazy to just be in the top half of the league with mm-hmm. Bogarts and Soto and Kim and Tatis. And I'm getting upset just saying the names and remembering <laughs> like they don't produce. And look, um, I believe still second worst team in Major League Baseball with runners in scoring position. So you combine that, bad roster construction, just poor play, unlucky, manager, whatever, they find ways, man. And you might see that in this series. They're allegedly still in the playoff hunt. They have around like like a 12.7% chance according to fan graphs. Uh, They're allegedly still in the chase, but you will see, Peter, moments where you're like, oh my God, we're only up against the Padres by one, and they have Bogarts, Machado, Soto, and Tatis coming up. We're screwed. 
and they will find away to biff it man i'm telling you <laughs> look forward to that in this series by the time people listen to this i, mm-hmm. I bet you the padres lost the first game on a, on a double play to end the game i bet you i bet you this happened last week by the way that's why i'm saying that i said i bet they're gonna lose in a double play and that's what happens <laughs> the day after but yeah man it's it's been really really rough and i think that both of these teams are just just diametrically opposed in so many different ways but yeah it's been tough and i think that with the marlins you know, they killed it at the deadline. That's that's one thing, seemingly, that they killed mm-hmm. at the deadline. It hasn't been all sunshines and rainbows, but we're going to talk about that. Because both of our teams made, you know, some big pushes at the trade deadline by comparison to be not really being a, you know, blockbuster trade market like it was last year or the years before. But before we get into that, before we get into that, I got to talk about something that I know you've you've tried out before. They're a favorite of the lockdown folks, <laughs> and that's bird dogs. My friends, the the so you want comfort, you know what I mean? I know it hasn't been always comforting for both of us following our teams, but at least like you, you have the right fit, you know what I mean? At least you could you know go to a game or you can listen to a game, you can sit down on your porch, whatever. However you watch your games, I don't know. Um, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, bird dogs make you feel comfortable. I know I had a pair um, that I wore to a Padres Yankees game about two months ago, and it was super hot out, but. They have all this like fabric that keeps you nice and cool. It's not going to make you feel like you're sweating and you're dying in these things, especially in these hot, you know, tropical weather that we have these days. Um, they fit better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Um, they've got all sorts of uh, good stuff for the bed. Uh, so I recommend everyone check them out. Forget all those other shorts that you wear. Bird Dogs has you covered. And let me tell you, because you're listening to this podcast, if you go to birddogs.com slash lockdown MLB and enter the promo code lockdown MLB. You get a free white tech hat with your order. That's right. Just for listening to this podcast, a free podcast. You're also getting something for free and it's clothing, which everybody needs and it's great clothing. So what are you waiting for guys? Go there. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown MLB and use promo code lockdown MLB at checkout for a free white tech hat with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres and Lockdown Marlins podcast. Please go check out the SiriusXM app to see and listen to the games, but the play-by-play broadcast, or just listen to both of our podcasts. Go check that out. Peter, my man, we got to talk trade deadline because I think that that is really key because not only did both of our teams make moves, but they made a swap. They they actually exchanged players. Uh, the Padres getting Garrett Cooper and the Marlins acquiring Ryan Weathers. Um, I think I'll just start with you since I'm already okay. I guess uh, how has Ryan Weathers been for you guys? Because for Padres fans, he was a roller coaster. I'm curious to see how how are things going out there in Miami. Good question. Um, that is a good question. We've only seen uh, prior to the series anyway. We've only seen one outing from Ryan Weathers. It was. I've described it as an Ivan Drago appearance where he came out of the pen in a long man role. Mm-hmm. And I think he threw over a hundred pitches. I have to check the actual numbers now while we're on this. Anyway, mm-hmm. he was left out there to just keep rolling. It was against the, the Rangers recently. And mm-hmm. I, I, after that, like everyone was watching this game and everyone after, like during and after the game was like, what the hell was going on with, with weathers? Like, why was he left out there so long? Cause the game, mm was kind of close. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it was a 10-nil blowout and it was like, hey, game's fully cooked. 
So it was some, there was some curious management of that situation. I believe there was maybe a couple of guys down in the pen, maybe with some like bug or illness or something. So basically there was like no one available in the pen. So Weathers just had to go deep. Uh, naturally after that, he was, cause he wasn't in the rotation. He then got um, sent down to uh, the AAA at that point. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen him until mm-hmm. back in this series. So, the Ryan, my understanding of Ryan Weathers in this whole situation is a similar move to what the Marlins did a few years ago with Jesus Lozado, where you go and get a guy, highly projectable guy, hasn't quite found his groove at the big league level thus far. You then bring them into the organization that has a really good track record of de- development pitching, you know, and that's mm-hmm. they see something there. You know, highly projectable, toolsy dude. Let's say, and you know, I think this was a this was a trade not for now as such, more for for the future in many ways. Mm-hmm. And obviously, with the Marlins going again, Josh Bell, you know, yeah. Garrett Cooper was surplus to requirements. Let's say, um, so mm-hmm. that kind of made sense as well. The way they pieced things together, I think. You know, if, if if the Marlins didn't get Bell, then Cooper wasn't going to to San Diego. So they were interconnectable those trades, but. Yeah, Ryan Weathers, let's see. Let's see how he goes in game one. Like I said, this episode is not going to be released until Tuesday, so we're kind of we're into the future here. Mm-hmm. Um, looking backwards, let's hope he's had one hell of a start. I think it's a really intriguing situation, though, the fact that he's making his first start as a Marlin against his former club. Mm. That could go one of a few ways uh, yeah. for certain, where it could be like he knows the hitters and you know he knows their weak spots great, or alternatively it works in reverse and he gets absolutely shelled. And, um, you know, it's a disaster. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see on this one. Um, on the flip side, Garrett Cooper going to the Padres, and, you know, yeah. just <laughs> you, you mentioned the Armageddon film earlier, by the way. And I, <laughs> for some reason, I just thought about Garrett Cooper playing the uh, Bruce Willis role for some reason. I just saw <laughs> like a picture was, you know, Garrett Cooper just stuffing. Ben Affleck back into the the lift and say, no, I've got this. So maybe Cooper's the savior that the Padres needed. But listen, Cooper's a big fan favorite. It was an all-star last year for the Marlins, um, expiring mm-hmm. deal. And, you know, with that, that kind of brings this opportunity perhaps. But, you know, it looks like he's been hot uh, in San Diego thus far. Although, mm-hmm. you know, was de- listed as day-to-day. So hit by mm-hmm. pitch, which has, you know, been the problem yes. with Cooper. It's just staying on the field. And there's yeah. been all these freak injuries with Coop. That's been the one frustrating thing is, you know, when he's on the field, he's he's an above average hitter, but somehow finds his way to be unlucky injury wise. But early reaction from from the impact that Coop's made for you guys? I think so there's two things. One, what's so interesting about Cooper is that it's him along with G Man Choi that was so interesting for the Padres because historically they kill. Um I think it is it's I think Cooper is left-handed pitching and Choi is right-handed pitching or vice versa. One of the two. They're great platoon guys. Um, and I think the Padres were looking at this as, all right, we have a depth problem. So let's go get these guys. You know, we, we it doesn't look like it's going to happen for us with weathers. So they acquire Cooper and he's been, he's been mid, he's been okay. Uh, I think the problem is that he started off so poorly with the Padres in total, his OPS is 780, which has been good, largely inflated by some nice timely doubles. He's loves getting those extra base hits. Um, even if he hasn't been able to get a single or two every now and then, and then G man Choi has just been walking a bunch, uh, without getting necessarily the hits, but the Padres figured we had Matt Carpenter hitting for us. So it can't be worse than this. Let's have these two guys that you can use depending on matchups and boom, there you go. 
Um, and it's been okay. Like I said, he's been on a roll lately, but he did get hit in the elbow with a pitch because, of course, like you mentioned, just finds a way seemingly to be unable to get on the field. It's not even his fault. Gets hit by a pitch. So that's really rough. They had to take him out of the game immediately um, on the elbow, I believe, is where they hit him. Oh, boy. But all in all, what stinks is that he started off so poorly for the Padres, both him and Choi. And considering that the Padres had just did all these moves, right? They sweep the Rangers, and then they won a series against the Rockies. Then you make all those moves, and then they don't show up, and then the team starts going on a downturn, just like it's always been looking. And I think that a lot of people, like you mentioned, can this team just get on a hot streak? Mm -hmm. That's why everyone keeps paying attention to the Padres, because they'll win two in a row. You're like, this is it. They just won two games by eight runs. Like, this is it. It took long enough. And then they come right back down to earth. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, I cannot wait. I hope your listeners tag me or tweet at me. You got to watch how they play the Padres, man, because they will find a way to be disastrous. It's going to be great. I can't wait. But um, yet, all in all, they haven't been bad acquisitions, uh, either of them, especially Cooper. And if anyone wants just to be entertained, uh, I highly recommend searching up my man Peter's tweet on Garrett Cooper from the beginning of the year. It was a video of people dancing on the beach. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen tweeted about a player. Highly recommend it. Just type in at Miami Barlins underscore UK Garrett Cooper. You're in for a treat. I promise you. Uh, and also just go follow Peter, by the way, at Miami Barlins underscore UK. Just one of the great follows of the lockdown network. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been all right. But I think with the Marlins, they're the ones that have been killing it. You brought up Josh Bell. Guy has looked, I mean, he was bad for my team too. And then the Guardians recently. Kind of a really disappointing player. And it's weird because while a lot of people might say, oh, well, he hits the ball on the ground a lot and this and that, he's actually been a fairly consistent, like good player for a while. He hit 37 home runs one year. Uh, he's always been a good on base guy. And then with the Padres, after having an 877 OPS with the who is the Washington Nationals, gets traded last year deadline, 587 OPS with the Padres. And then with Cleveland this year, a 700 OPS, so a little bit better. And with the Marlins, six home runs already. He's had 11 in total with the Guardians. I believe it was yeah, 11 in total with the Guardians. He has six already, and he's got a 962 OPS with the Marlins. Peter, you just got, you apparently made the best acquisition of the deadline. What's that been like? Unbelievable, right? And like, you know, when this all started to happen, like I was recording an episode covering the fact that the Marlins had just signed, uh, traded for Jake Berger. And I was like, great, this is great. Then we're on this pod. And next thing is, there's news dropping that they, they get in Josh Bell. And I was thinking, what the hell's going on here? Mm. Where's Bell? Like, oh, <laughs> Coop's, oh, Coop's going now. Okay, right. This makes sense. You're trying to like everything, yeah. everything together. I've always been a fan of Josh Bell, by the way, and he always seemed to hit well in Lone Depot, particularly when he was with the Nats. So I was, I've, al I've always liked him. I think the Marlins went after him in the offseason, couldn't get it done. I think Josh Bell particularly was surprised that he was moved, actually, at this deadline. I think he felt like, mm -hmm. you know, the Guardians are kind of still in it. I mean, everyone's, sure. I, think the, I think the Royals are still in it, to be honest with you, in the AL Central. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, everyone's always in it in that division. So I think he was a bit stunned that he was moved. Um, but, you know, listen, the, the production from Josh Bell, the impacts, I mean, he's made history already for the Marlins, right? They, they've never had a switch hitter hit home runs from, you know, both sides of the plate in a single game. So he's already made history. No one's, he, no one's ever done that for the Marlins. And Josh Bell just strolls in and, and blasts it. So, you know, big acquisition. The other interesting wrinkle to this too, right, is he, he comes across and you're like, wow, the Marlins are on the hook here for $16.5 next year for, for Josh Bell. 
there is a player option in there or a player opt-out, thinking ah, Josh Bell, he's never opting out of that deal, right? Next thing is, he's caught fire. Now you're mm-hmm. thinking, oh man, you've gone and got Josh Bell, he's on fire. Is he actually going to opt out now? Like the Marlins plan mm-hmm. is, you know, we get Bell, you've got a year of control mm-hmm. into next year. First base is solved. Jake Berger's playing third base. You know, the offense is starting to feel pretty nice. Problem is now, Soler's got an opt-out. So's Josh Bell. All of a sudden, these power sticks. You know, I think you know, Soler's definitely opting out. But Bell, 16 and a half mil. Do you think he rolls the dice? Mm-hmm. You know, if he carries on this hot, um, does he roll the dice and maybe go, do you know what, I'm going to opt out and look to get a deal? I think it'll probably come down to, does he like, does he, is he like the environment he's in? Like, it's in his control. If he likes, you know, 16 and a half million to stay in an environment he likes and a team that could win, why not? Like, it isn't always about the money, I think. Like, it's it's about, you know, the team, the club, the environment, the culture, all this stuff. But listen, Kim Ang, I think, spun a great one there. Jake Berger equally has been as impressive at third base. Like, I, I'd seen some snippets of Berger and the, the scouting report on him was, you know, listen, bombs away, Burger bombs, Burger King, you name it, like all mm-hmm. sorts of, you know, Memes and gifts flying up around that one, but strikes out a ton. You know, that's about it. That's what you expect. Next thing, we haven't, I haven't seen that at all. Um, so, you know, Mean Gene Segura was, you know, traded away. Mean Gene <laughs> Segura. Mean, mean Gene's gone. He lasted, he lasted two hours, I think, in Cleveland, and they just DFA'd him <laughs> immediately. He's then on a, on a fishing yeah. boat or something, you know, just chilling, living his best, best life. But listen, Kim Ang... Right, in, in my opinion, right now is 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 really ascending as a quality major league baseball GM. Into from a trade perspective, she she seems to hit on on more often than not, and I think, and when she hits, they're actually big hits too. So Kim Ang is is you know it's contract year for Kim, and I was saying as well on Twitter, like I think there's going to be a there could be a few high profile GM jobs available because there's some seriously underperforming teams this year, really disappointing mm-hmm. teams. Some big mm-hmm. vacancies could appear that maybe you weren't expecting. I think the Marlins would be sensible to look to try to lock up Kim ASAP because she's done all that she can. Um, Jeter's gone. She's had full ownership now, and really the results have shown. Um, she moved on from Don Mattingly as well, got in Skip Schumacher, yeah. and that's worked out. So you got to try and, you know, when you hit on something, you got to make sure you see the benefit kind of midterm rather than just the short-term piece. So... Yeah, really impressive. Josh Bell, impressive acquisition. Burger, Kim Ang is doing some some serious business here for the fish. And listen, this club feels like a legit club. I've been following the club since 2016, 17 uh, through rebuild. It's hard to do that as a fan, um, and all fans will know that. Mm-hmm. The light is definitely at the end of the tunnel now. Not in quite the way we expected. We expected like the farm to be like fully built up and all these like dudes and studs to come through the farm. Hasn't happened that way. Actually, what's happened is, you know. They've ended up making some really good trades recently, and um, you know that seems to be working out. So, fair play to Kim. Um, this club looks legit. It's a tough division to be operating in with the Phils and Braves uh, and the Mets, clearly. Um, but you know, we'll see if we can make the the wild card this year. I think. Absolutely, man. We're going to talk about the wild card and such in just a second, but a little bit more words from our sponsors. And we're back, everybody, here on not just the Lockdown Potties, but also the Lockdown Marlins podcast, because it's a crossover. That's what happens when you have a crossover. You have two hosts. It's fantastic. Um, Peter, I think your your analysis of Kim Ang was was really spot on. And I think that it's funny, like like you mentioned, these like almost like a dead 
uh, I forgot what term he used, but like a, an expiring free agent or something like that. I forgot what he said. And I e like, you know, Garrett Cooper and then um, Starling Marte. They were able to, while it, some people might say, oh, well, we should have locked him up. We need some outfield depth. They at least got something out of him. They got Jesus Lazardo. So that's, and that was a trade from, I think, two years ago. And that's amounted to now. So who knows? Maybe Ryan Weathers, like a year from now, might be really good or at least just a quality arm that you can throw out there that you don't panic when you're watching, right? And I think the Padres are seeing that a little bit with, um, you know, they've got Rich Hill that is probably expected to start in one of these games of this series. Mm-hmm. Um, so that hasn't been great. You're going to see Waka, which is why I have Pac-Man, because he does the Waka Waka sound. Um, you'll probably see him in the series. But yeah, man, it's just, they seem to have really nailed it. And you mentioned Jake Berger, the Burger Bombs, just one of the great last names we currently have in baseball. Shout out to the, the Burger faithful. They've already done better work than let's say Aaron judge, dare I say, in terms of maximizing uh, how fun that last name is. Um, Jake Berger, just to give people an idea, he really is just home runner bust. Uh, really 214 batting average with the white Sox, 279 on base, but a 527 slugging percentage. Good for an 806 um, OPS. And with the Marlins, he's hitting for average and he's getting on base and he's still slugging. He's got 11 home runs. Or I'm sorry, two home runs with them. But in general, 954 OPS compared to his 800 before. Like, this is just, I, I say this because a lot of Padres fans see these numbers and they're like, why can't this happen with us? Why can't we bring in Choi and Cooper and they're just these awesome, you know, kind of acquisitions? Why can't they be like the Dodgers who brought in Ahmed Rosario, who's been awesome for them? They bring in all these random players, Jason Hayward and some guys that people undervalue. Meanwhile, the Padres bring in some under, you know, you know, some. Uh, players that are kind of look lurking underneath the cracks and they never seem to get guys that blow up for them. So you talk about GM positions that could be, you know, vacant after the season, maybe AJ Preller. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's interesting. And I think it would be uh, me personally. I think that the, I used to beg AJ Preller to kill me in my tweets. I think you've seen them before, but <laughs> I just, the, the hype the hype is is a little bit gone right now, man. It's a little bit gone, and I imagine that the Kim Ang hype is real. Um, with the Marlins, though, and the wild card, they're currently a game back. And we're having one of those seasons where it seems like no one actually wants the last spot. <laughs> That's what it feels yeah. like, because every time yeah. someone's about to pull in, everyone thought, oh, my God, the Padres, they just swept the Rangers. They beat the Rockies and they made all these trades. They're going for it. Here we go. Then they lose like eight out of their next 12 or whatever it was. Right. Then you have the Marlins. They suffer a couple of weird losses. You have the Phillies who have been weird all year. You have the Cubs getting back into it. You have the D-backs who were one of the best teams in the National League for a long time. You have the Reds. You have the Marlins, like I said before, like just really back and forth. A, only one game back, the Diamondbacks, Reds, and Marlins for last wild card spot. What it, I mean, just just unleash, go ahead, because I imagine that just <laughs> every game must feel so, so huge. And hey, my apologies that we weren't able to play better against the Diamondbacks. But like I said, this team stinks. <laughs> like they find ways uh, that we couldn't help you guys out there with the D-backs. But kind of like, what's your kind of outlook, you think, on the teams, the Marlins in terms of that final wild card spot? Yeah, this uh, firstly, what I would say is the, the wild card three situation, like, mm-hmm. you know, just this general discourse around changing rules and, you know, the impact mm-hmm. of doing that. What I would say is for me, this is, you know, it's been a really positive change for, you know, effectively like mid teams. Like these are mid clubs, these are not the Braves, 
um, you know, and the Dodgers. But the level of interest is so much greater than it has been historically, where you've got like, you know, the wild cards are kind of locked up, the divisions are locked up by now. Like August and September just kind of like can mm-hmm. feel like it, you tread in water until the postseason. The Braves probably feel that way. The Dodgers probably feel that way because they've locked the division up. But actually, now you've got these five clubs battling maybe yeah. for one or two spots. And for the clubs that are in it, you know, it's going to be fun. As a Marlins fan, yeah. it's going to be fun. I, I'm still not ruling the Padres out, to be honest with you. I think this series actually will really determine maybe where which direction the, the Padres go this year. Like, if they sweep the Marlins, then, you know, they'll be feeling, they'll be feeling themselves, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Equally, if the Marlins do the do the, some similar damage to the Padres, I think that'll be the kind of nail in the coffin for for their uh, wild card hunt. But you know, the the schedules, everyone's looking at schedules, and everyone's you know thinking yeah. who do, who mm-hmm. do you play, who do you play? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of pointless in my opinion. Like you just you got to play who's in front of you at any given time. Any club is hot, any club's cold. Mm. You got to play well, and fundamentally, since the All Star break, the Marlins haven't played as well as they you know as well as they could have done. There's been mishaps, there's been poor performance, there's been things they haven't done well. First half, every they, they played exceptionally. They played exceptionally and got themselves into a situation where no one knew what the hell to do. You know, it hasn't been the same. Kim did what she did at the deadline, has added and, and boosted this, this club. It's going to be a dogfight, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I look at these clubs, do I trust the Giants? No. Don't trust anything about the Giants. Do I trust anything mm-hmm. about the Diamondbacks? No. The Reds? No, I don't trust any of these clubs mm-hmm. at all, including the Marlins. I don't trust them either. I don't trust anyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I totally get it. And it's funny that you said, like, you know, I still think the Pirates can make it. Every single host I've talked to is like, I still think the Pirates can do it. It's just, that's like, it's amazing how much they've squandered their talent. And it's amazing how much the Marlins have seemingly maximized it. The amount of times I've seen like Solaire power tweeted this year has been mm-hmm. awesome. And it seems like he's really, it just feels like the Marlins are doing the best with what they have, right? Like they have a power hitter that they're like, all right, he struggles a little bit when he's playing the outfield. So we put him in DH more. Um, you still have your own Eric Hosmer. Um, I don't know if he even plays anymore. That's Avi Garcia. <laughs> your, your guy. I don't even know. I don't even know if he plays. I haven't seen that man in like six months. I, I, there's an APB app for him right now. Like I don't know what's going Abby, on, but yeah, Abby, I mean, we don't, we don't we don't speak of that name on this podcast. I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. You, you did the thing I did with Hosmer, where you don't say the name anymore. That's right. Okay, so only I can say it, um, and I can only say Hosmer because he's not on the team anymore. He's not on any team anymore. No. Um, but I think that's a great point. Like with the Giants, like. Yeah, they're 65 and 59, but just a plus eight run differential and their offense has really cratered. It looked like it looks like a lot of their players are kind of coming back down to earth with with a couple exceptions. So, yeah, yeah I agree with you. There's the Phillies are interesting because I trust that team in the postseason. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. there's a difference because they have such bad defense and their pitching can be a little bit weird. But like if you're facing that team in the playoffs, they're horrifying. And I mean, we literally Agreed. just saw that last year. Um, but you're right, man. You're right. Like, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm a little conflicted. I might as well give my take on it, on the playoff stuff. Because part of me, I'm always reluctant to do anything that makes me feel like the regular season value will be deflated. 
um, when you add more playoff teams. And I also wonder if you have more playoff teams, will that encourage owners, as you are very familiar with, as many are familiar with, to spend less? Because they're like, oh, well, we might make it into the playoffs. Like, who cares? Anything could happen. But the flip side of that is a lot of teams that would never have a chance have a chance. You get, like you said, like one game back between four teams for that wild card spot. Like, that's really fun. It makes every game sort of matter. We might get some madness. There was a season back in, I believe, 2012. Um, and I don't know if you were following um, this back then, but it was like the Rays, Red Sox, like three National League teams. And it was one of the only times that it literally came down to game 162. Um, I recommend anyone check this up on YouTube. Um, just type in like MLB. Like it was a big thing that happened was Evan Longoria walked it off for the Rays. That's that's a throwback. He's uh, doing stuff on the Diamondbacks. Um, back when he was like their star player, he had a walk off home run that literally sent them to the postseason game 162. And it was just electric. And then the Red mm-hmm. Sox, they blew like an eight run lead. So it was it's just very rare. Maybe we're in for that. That would be a lot of fun as someone who's a little resigned to his team. At this point, I really do think that it's over. Um, I felt that way for a while. Um, <laughs> even if they win a couple games this series, that's still how I feel. Um, but yeah, we might get a lot of fun. So again, I'm conflicted on it. Um, but if, man, if we get like a real like one game chase at the end, that could be a lot of fun. And I know that for yeah. the Marlins fans. Hey, they deserve it. Like you said, Kim Ang's been doing well. A lot of good moves. The Solaire move happens this year. Seems to be getting the fruits of that. You know, Luis Arise, who we haven't even talked about all that much on this show mm. Pablo Reyes exchange. That was a guy that I thought the Padres might trade for. They didn't. And instead they got Luis Arise. who's going to win the batting title and he gets a hit all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, for this series, I'm curious to see how the weather's things turns out. I'm curious mm. to see how Sandy Alcantara goes. The Padres are known to bring out the best in pitchers who have been struggling. So maybe Sandy, you might get a little Cy Young Sandy uh, for this series. I sound so negative, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. I don't know what to do anymore, man. Um, but do you have any kind of final questions before we wrap this up about the Padres or Marlins and just, just general baseball stuff? Yeah, the main the main thing, like when I, it's hard, particularly being in the UK, following a West Coast team is like nigh on impossible. I have to be honest. So it's, yeah. it's hard to keep up with specifically what's happening out West. But I must say, the thing that kind of caught my eye specifically is, well, clearly there's so much talent on this this Padres roster. It seems anyway, there's some huge names. Whether it's deep enough is another question. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess that's something to maybe for you to dwell on. But one of the things that's popped up recently has been around the clubhouse situation and the fact that things Mm -hmm. may not be in the best situation. And, and, you know, speaking as a, a Marlins fan from last year, there were some serious clubhouse issues going on. And the Marlins, what you've described in this year is they'll find a way to, to lose games. That was very reminiscent of the Marlins in 2021, where clubhouse vibes were off. They were unlucky. They couldn't, you know, they, they found ways to lose games they shouldn't. And it feels like maybe there's some similar things happening here in, in, in San Diego. But, you know, I'm... I don't follow it closely, mate. So when they're talking about clubhouse issues, you know, is that actually real? And is there any kind of meat on the bone that we can add to that just to kind of bring it to life as as such? There's two things I think with that. Number one, 
it's always our first instinct, I think, in baseball is to be like, wow, underperforming team, clubhouse issues, right? Like, it's got to be that. Sometimes yeah. it's just that the the chemistry doesn't work, and sometimes that's something that we can't track. And I know that drives baseball fans especially mad because mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute, my fan graph spreadsheet said that this guy has a WRC plus. Sometimes chemistry and team stuff, stuff does work. I haven't heard anything personally on the Padres clubhouse. There's been, like, random people who will put, like, Things that may or may not be true or false about texts and whatnot about <laughs> certain players. I'm not going to utter on here because it's all just hearsay. But, but there is a history of this uh, r- rather recently of clubhouse issues or at least clubhouse frustration. And it's from two seasons ago. So not last year. Obviously, they had like a really great run last year. But the year before when Jace Tingler, not Bob Melvin, was the manager. And you had the whole the famous Tatis Machado blow up um, in the dugout that Mm. got caught on camera. It wouldn't shock me. Um, It wouldn't shock me. And again, I have not heard anything yet. I've only heard like one funny little story about a player and it was in spring training. Like I haven't really heard anything. So this might be one of those things where we got to wait for that athletic piece to drop, you know, after the season that says, wow, Machado and uh, I don't know, uh, Jake Cronenworth hate each other or something like that. Like you never know um, what's going to happen there. And you imagine that there's got to be some stuff. They've had so many moments this year where it's players only meeting after the, you know, after they lose some heartbreaking loss and then nothing changes, no. um, just it's the, everything. All the vibes are off. It's weird. It's weird. So I think it's one of those things that we'll see later. I really do. I think we're going to get a big piece on this. This is a team that a lot of reporters, I imagine, are going to be covering because of every, I mean, they're the Padres, right? They've been one of the bigger stories in baseball the past few years with how many moves they make. So I imagine we're in for a real banger and I'm excited <laughs> for it only because it gives me something to talk about and probably be sad about. When they tell me that, you know, the clubhouse just gave up on Melvin or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I will say, if that is the case, that would be another manager that has failed or hasn't been the right fit for this Padres team. And for me, that's when you got to start looking at general managing. Um, This is not Red Sox of the, the early 2010s where, like, they had Bobby Valentine for a year. Literally barely changed the roster next year, just got a new manager, and then they, you know, went to win a World Series. So that might be the case for some teams. But I think with the Padres, you look at this and say, was Jay Sigler, are we sure he was bad? Or is this just a poorly constructed roster? Mm-hmm. And maybe he's inexperienced because Melvin's a three time manager of the year. I'm not going to be the first person to blame someone like him. So um, just to put a bow on it, yeah, looking forward to the piece afterwards after the season. Um, maybe it'll drop like early September. You know what I mean? Maybe it's possible, especially mm. if something really bad happens. But I'm almost a little surprised we haven't seen something play out like on the field. Not like something crazy like the Tatis Machado thing, but I'm almost a little surprised we haven't seen some video of a pitcher throwing his glove into the hole or something. It's it's very yeah. odd. It's very peculiar, but I'm curious to see how it all plays out. We need some of that. Listen, it wouldn't shock me if the Marlins end up sweeping the Padres here. Then that could be that could be the hand grenade that's required. That just like yeah, the the, mm-hmm. the athletic mm-hmm. piece is Absolutely. like ready, ready to hit send on that piece. And if you know <laughs> the Marlins complete the sweep on the road, they're like that's enough. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's blow it up. <laughs> that's it. Here we go. It's gonna light everybody up. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's what I think Padres fans are following for at this point. What uh it, what could get worse? You know what I mean? That's kind of like a comedy show. Um, but Peter, this has been a blast. Again, really looking forward to this series just because I think the Marlins are a fun team in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm looking forward to if my prediction about them finding a way comes true. Um, but until then, do you have anything else you want to plug for the good people before we uh log off? 
Mainly, just, well, you've already called it out, but I'm I'm a big Twitter guy, so head on over there, follow me at Miami Marlins underscore UK, of course. Uh, which you know, it's, uh, people are uncertain about what the the account is trying to do. Is it is it satire? Is it comedy? Is it you know what's going on with this account? But mainly, it's just me drinking a load of red wine, watching baseball, and tweeting away, which is a lot of fun. So head on over there as well uh, and uh, and follow along. Should be a fun series, mate. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, what Absolutely. about from your perspective? Where can where can the Marlins fan base find you? Yeah, man. Uh, check me out at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and then at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter. I tweet a bunch of weird stuff from my regular account, sometimes baseball, sometimes, um, but mostly just random thoughts and whatnot, as Peter knows uh, very mm. much as well. Um, but you can check that out. Follow the YouTube, obviously, for both of us. Just type in Lockdown Marlins or Lockdown Padres. And yeah, until next time, everybody stay faithful. And of course, stay fruitful. I don't know. Florida Marlins. I can't think of an acronym thing in time. I tried. I I, I, I knew I should have wrote something down. (laughs) All else fails. Go and watch Armageddon. That's what we need to do. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll leave it at that. Go watch Armageddon. You won't regret it. Take care, everybody.